0: You are listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are going to be a lot of great things going on this summer at Collective, so make sure you are following us on social media at MyCollectiveChurch to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. Do you all want to know how many pounds of food you donated to the mission restock on Friday? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we stopped posting that stuff on social media a few years ago to encourage you to be here. Uh, I just want to start by saying, um, before we share the total, we set the goal really high for this one. Um, we, went, we actually didn't go back and look at like, historical data. Uh, ultimately, I was like, hey, Danielle, let's just pick a number, and we just picked a number. Um, so we picked the number 5,250 pounds, and in true collective fashion, you all not only reached the goal, but you crushed it as over 7,000 pounds of food were delivered and dropped off. Um, <laughs> I was there in the afternoon, and they're like, "We've already beat the goal." And I was like, "You guys are incredible!" Every time we set a goal, uh, you guys knock it out of the park, uh, which just means we have to set even more ridiculous goals in the future. Um, what's really cool, though, for for this the history of this church that puts us at seventy thousand pounds of food donated in just under five years. And I, I said it back in the fall, like we have the goal of a million pounds, right? And like, who knows how that will happen? Um, but with the opportunities that we have left this year, we're gonna get really close to 100,000 pounds in the history of this church. And so um, I just wanna encourage you guys to keep doing it. Uh, keep being generous, keep taking the time out of your day. Some of you sent groceries, it's the first time you've ever sent groceries before. Um, a lot of you guys dropped off and we're just so thankful. We're thankful for the team that was there all day. There's like a tornado warning in the afternoon. It was like, well, I guess you gotta keep collecting food. Um, Yearly, the Frederick Rescue Mission serves over 100,000 unique people, and summer is always the busiest season. They will run out of food multiple times throughout the summer, and so we want you guys to know this isn't just something that we do. This is something that actually makes an impact, Um, and so your contribution will be huge this summer as they get those things moving. Now, while I'm sharing exciting things with you all, um, I do kind of want to let you guys know there's some big things going on at Collective right now behind the scenes um, that I'm hoping to share with you soon. Now, that's a bit of a teaser, uh, and the reason why I'm doing that is because I just want to encourage you, if you do not follow us on social media, you should pull out your phone right now and search for My Collective Church and follow us. Um, because leading up to the Sunday, where we're hoping to share some really cool things coming up, we'll post about it. And so we'll let you guys know, hey, you should be here this Sunday, because um, we've got some big things hopefully coming in the next few weeks. And ultimately, we want you guys to stay in the loop as uh, new and exciting things continue to happen. So every summer since Collective's launched, I've had the opportunity to head to northern Virginia, where I grew up, to preach at my home church. Um, As many of you have heard before, I didn't grow up in the church, but when I was in middle school, my neighbors invited my family uh, and we did what normal people do and we said no. um, And then they asked again and we said no again. And then about 10 more times they asked and we said no 10 more times before eventually we showed up at one of their community engagement events. And as the story goes, we ate like 80 hot dogs. As a family, I ended up in the hospital getting stitches in my head from a moon bounce incident. If you don't know the story, I'm just gonna have to tell you some other time. But the next day, my family went to church for the first time in my life, right? Like, we didn't grow up in the church. It wasn't one of those things where, as a kid, I was there, that we stopped going. Literally, the first time I ever walked into the church was when I was about 12 years old. Then over the next few years, my family got involved. We started serving. Uh, My brother and my sister decided to put their faith in Jesus, and they got baptized. Uh, Then I did, and then my parents did. Uh, And it's this really cool story, and every time I'm there preaching, the church tells this story. And at first, I really liked it, right? I show up to this church, there are a little bit over 1,000 people, and they all know me as the hot dog kid, uh, which I don't like. That's not going to become a thing here, I promise. Um, But they know me as a kid who started going to that church, got baptized in that church, went into ministry, church planted out of that church. And so they kind of treat me like a rock star. And so in the lobby, it's a lot of like high fives and fist bumps and like kissing babies and like signing their foreheads and stuff. (laughs) That's not happening. Uh, But then when I went back the next year, I realized that they told the story again and then again the next year and, and the next. And I asked one of the staff members who was a friend of mine why they kept sharing this story over and over and over again, even though it was 25 years ago. And he told me it's because they don't have many new stories to tell, right? And I see this in churches all the time. I see this in my friend's churches. I've worked on staff in churches like this before, churches that focus more on what God has done instead of what he's doing, churches that as they got older, they got comfortable. They started choosing what was easy and safe. In fact, the early church struggled with this as well. After Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he spent 40 days on earth with his people, teaching and encouraging them. And here's one of the last things that he says, said to his followers. Ultimately, this is the last thing he said to what would be the church at the time, about 120 people. It's called the Great Commission. It's in Matthew 28, and it says this. It says, Jesus came to his, and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Right? And so Jesus' last words before he ascended up into heaven weren't, I told you I would conquer death. Right? They weren't like, how do you like me now? Or invest in Apple. Like, it wasn't anything like that. It was go and tell other people about me. Right, specifically, tell them what you saw, that you saw me. Teach them to love God and love people. Baptize them. And he finishes by saying, hey, and don't let fear stop you because I'm with you. Right, You've got this. And those were Jesus' last words to his people. And if we jump ahead a little bit into the book of Acts, which is this book in the Bible that's all about the start of the church, you'll read that they listened, they actually did what Jesus asked them to do. Just 10 days later, Peter and Jesus' closest followers are preaching to a massive crowd. And Peter says this in Acts 2, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. And Messiah just means the one that was sent to rescue us. And so what they're teaching is, in other words, Jesus is who he said he is. Right? He is the Son of God. He was sent to rescue us from our sins. We saw him crucified, then we saw him resurrect from that. He's the real deal, and you all need to know this. The story continues. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn toward God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so you look back in Matthew 28, and they're doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They're going out and they're teaching people. They're telling them, hey, Jesus is real. He rose from the dead. We saw it. And then these people who believe, they're baptizing them. Just a few verses later in Acts 2.41, it says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. And so we see from the very beginning, the church was growing. Lost and broken people were coming home. People were experiencing forgiveness and restoration and new life. They were getting baptized. But then something happened. And if you keep reading in the book of Acts, you'll see that the Christians in Jerusalem decided to stay in Jerusalem. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. And the church is like, nah, like we're pretty good just staying right here. Like this is our home. This is where we want to be. And they did that because that's easier. It was safer. And only when the church got uncomfortable did it really start to grow. Just a few chapters later in Acts 8, this is what happens. It says, A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. In the Bible, this is known as diaspora. It means the dispersion. It's like the spreading out of God's people, And when looking at the history of the church, this is one of the main reasons the early church grew in the world. So, so do you see what I'm getting at? The church didn't really start to grow and make an impact outside of Jerusalem until they got uncomfortable. And in this case, it was because of persecution, which isn't ideal, but that's what it took. And that's what I'm going to do in this series. Uh, My goal for this series is for us to get uncomfortable. Uh, And this is a good thing, I promise. Uh, Forbes magazine put out an article last year that said being uncomfortable is something we should embrace, and some of you are already terrified. Uh, (laughs) You're uncomfortable about talking about being uncomfortable. Um, But they wrote and they found that putting yourself in a new and unfamiliar situation triggers a unique part of your brain that releases dopamine, which is like the make you happy chemical. And they found that discomfort is a good thing. Trying new things is a good thing. Renee Brown, who's probably the worldwide leader in like vulnerability and personal growth, wrote in her book, Dare to Lead, we need to cultivate the courage to be uncomfortable and to teach the people around us how to accept discomfort as a part of growth. And so ultimately, if we want to grow, we have to choose discomfort. And so we're kicking off this series today called All In, and the reason we're doing this series is because of the gospel. The word gospel simply means good news, And the good news is that grace is available. Grace is the free gift of new life that God offers. We have messed up. We have run away from God. But God wants to redeem us. He wants to buy us back and adopt us into his family. So he gave up his son as a sacrifice in dying on the cross. There's this old worship song called Beautiful Exchange. If you don't know it, I'm going to sing it for you. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. I can't sing, and you guys know that. Uh, Look it up on YouTube later. Um, But when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, a beautiful exchange takes place. He takes on your sin, and his righteousness and his perfection goes on to you. And so when God looks at you, he doesn't see the mistakes you have made. He doesn't see your addiction. He doesn't see your selfishness. He doesn't see your insecurity. He sees someone who has been made new, someone who is forgiven, someone he calls his own. And if that's not good enough, this isn't something that you can lose. It's not like when you get baptized, you get up out of the water, then all of a sudden you have to be perfect in order to keep grace. And we talk about this all the time. Grace isn't based on us doing certain things. Now, grace isn't a license to sin. If you follow Jesus, it doesn't mean you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want. But it does mean that you don't have to live with the fear of failure because Jesus set you free from that. And so in following Jesus, if I fall short, if I sin, there's grace. And this is why Christianity exists. This is why the worldwide church exists, including collective grace. Grace is the good news. And without grace, we have nothing. And so because grace is this life-changing thing, we go all in. See, I don't want to dip my toe in grace. I don't want to get a splash of grace. I want all of it. I want joy, and I want purpose, and I want hope. I want Jesus to strip away the sin and the doubts that are in my life. That's why I'm here, right, because I want grace. That's also why I'm here, because I want that for you all as well. This is why Collective exists, so we can create a place for people to experience the good news, to be a place where we can recklessly follow Jesus and invite others to do the same. So let me just tell you something, if you're here, and you don't follow Jesus, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. This is what the person who invited you here wants you to know. We think you are missing out on the best thing ever. And we think that's Jesus. And we want you to go all in because we think that following Jesus will easily be the best decision you will ever make. It'll be the best thing that could ever happen to you. And for you and your family or your future family, it'll be the best thing for the way that you see yourself, your purpose, your relationships, all of it. That's what we believe. Actually, that's what we know, and we just want you to have the best thing we have ever found. That's why we invite. That's why we bring. That's why we do everything we do. It's why Collective exists, and so if you are here because your friend won't leave you alone, he just wants you to have the best thing he's ever found, so throughout this series, I'm going to challenge Christians to go all in when it comes to their faith to go all in when it comes to their relationship with Jesus and their spiritual disciplines, to go all in when it comes to this church, to go all in when it comes to sharing the good news. And throughout this series, I'm going to challenge all of you who are not followers of Jesus to give your life to him and get baptized. In fact, I'm also going to challenge those of you who love Jesus but have never been baptized before to take that next step as well. And it will get uncomfortable. I'm just going to let you know up front, this series will make us all uncomfortable, but I just want to encourage us to lean in and let's see what God can do when we do. When creating the vibe for this series, we decided to go with cliff jumping imagery uh, because this is one of those things where if you're not all in when it comes to cliff jumping, uh, it kind of looks like this. There's no audio because there's a lot of screaming. Um, Yeah. So... We don't want that for your life um, and for your faith. This one's my favorite. Oh, just kidding. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Listen, they're okay. See, they saved her. She's fine. So last one. Uh, She's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. No, I'm all in. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, and I'm all in anyways. So ultimately, we don't want your life to look like that. Okay, we don't want your faith to look like one of those things. Like we don't want your relationship with Jesus to be one of those things where, you're like, hey, I think I'm all in, I'm not all in. And all of a sudden, you're tumbling down the side of a cliff. They're all okay, all right. <laughs> Goodness gracious, some of you are like, they might be hurt. They're not, just their egos. And so I don't want our church to look like that, right? I don't want us to pretend like we're all in and go stumbling down the side of a mountain. Uh, One of our values as a church is own your growth. And we say that that means that we use our time, talents, abilities, and resources to become more like Jesus. And so while I can't make you grow, I can make you uncomfortable. Um, Your faith is your faith, and your growth is your growth. I can't make you be all in, but I can create discomfort. And so that's what I'm going to do. In this series, I'm going to challenge you and encourage you to create space so you can grow personally personally and spiritually. I'm going to challenge you to take next steps. And I'll just let you know up front, because we're already talking about discomfort, we're going to talk about topics like giving and serving and inviting, all the things that you don't want to talk about in church. And what we're going to do is we're going to focus on what the Apostle Paul wrote in his letters that he sent to the early church that we find in the Bible. And so (laughs) let's buckle up and do this together. Uh, Here's the first thing I want to look at from Paul. He wrote this to a church in Corinth. And just for context, uh, Corinth was a very messy city, and the church there was messy as well. To be honest, they're a lot like collective. It was full of jacked up people trying to figure it all out. And so here's what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 23. He said, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Right? So Paul is saying, I do everything I can to tell other people about the grace of God. But what does everything entail? Well, just a few, earlier, a few verses earlier, he said this, starting in verse 19. He says, even though I am a free man with no master, I've become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I'm not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the, the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Translation, he says, I go all in. I do everything I can short of sin to share the gospel with people. I become uncomfortable. I take risks. I meet people where they're at. He's saying, I do what I can. I do everything I can to try and save some. And so there are four things I want us to wrestle with uh, during this series when it comes to being all in. These are kind of the icebreaker uh, for this series. And I just want to encourage you to write these things down. These are things I want you to wrestle with this week. And so here's the first one. Uh, All in means taking your next step. No matter who you are, there is a next step in your faith that you can take. Right? I have next steps, you have next steps. And in order for us to be all in, we have to take that next step. For some of you, simply praying to Jesus this week would be a huge next step. And right now, for you, that would mean you are being all in because you're trusting that he hears you. For some of you, your next step is gonna be joining the team and serving with us on Sunday mornings because all in for you means creating space for other people to learn about grace. For some of you, your next step is gonna to be to start tithing. This is the baseline of generosity in the Bible. Whether that means starting to give or increasing your giving, that means that could mean all in for you. For some of you, being all in means reading your Bible every day, right? picking it up and making that a spiritual discipline. Or maybe it's picking one person in your life who doesn't know Jesus and saying, Jesus, I'm gonna pray for this person every single day until I get the privilege of baptizing them. But for a lot of you, it's finally taking this step and getting baptized. Right? We talk about this every week when we say, if you want to get baptized, check the box in your digital connection card or head to Next Steps after service. Some of you hear this on repeat in your sleep, but you've still never done it. So maybe now's the time. Right? All in means taking your next step. And this is really important. Uh, you can't compare your all in to someone else's. Pastor Craig Rossell says that the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. And so as we go through this series, it's gonna be really easy for you to look at another person in your life and their faith and say, well, I'm doing better than them, so this series is not for me. But that's not really how it works. All In looks different for the stay-at-home mom of three than it does Empty Nesters. All In looks different for the teenager than it does for the person in grad school. All In looks different for different people. So this isn't about looking at the person next to you and comparing yourself to them. It's about you. So the question is, what is your next step? Not compared to other people, right? Looking at your own faith right now and what you are doing right now, what next step do you need to take? Here's the second thing when it comes to being all in. All in is about right now. Pastor Craig Russell also explains that there are three different stages of faith. He says, uh, there's not following Jesus, there's following Jesus, and then there's being radical for Jesus, meaning all in for Jesus. And he says that people can actually move kind of in between these stages. Meaning you can go from this part, part in your life where you're radical for Jesus, you're being all in for Jesus, but you can jump back to where you're not really all in anymore. Now, you still have grace because you don't earn grace, but you can go from a season of following Jesus and being all in to just following Jesus. Revelation 2.5 uh, says this, look how far you have fallen, turn back to me and do the works you did at first. John, who wrote this, wrote, was writing to a group of Christians. Uh, there were seven churches in Asia and he was explaining to them, hey, I want you to go back to being all in. I want you to go back to doing the things and showing the things that you were doing because it's starting to fall off. And so I just wanna encourage you not to rest on your laurels about what you did for Christ once upon a time, right? And the question that goes with this is what faith risk can you take right now? Right? What are you doing now? Not what risk should you have taken back in the day, but missed it, that's in the past. Not what risk can you take in the future when you don't have kids at home or when you have more money or when you're married or just ultimately when you're more comfortable. Not what risk can you take tomorrow? What faith risk can you take right now? That's being all in. Here's the next thing. All in means taking a new step. And don't confuse this with the other one. I've already said all in means taking a next step, but this also means taking a new step. Another one of our values as a church is faith that's bold. And we say, if you want to show your faith, you need to take risks. And when somebody asks me about my faith journey or my faith story, uh, I talk about this church. I talk about moving here without knowing, one, knowing anyone in Frederick. I talk about raising my own salary to do it all because those were big risks. But five years later, Collective is doing all right. I don't know if you've noticed, but we baptize a ton of people here. We make a real impact in our community. We're maxing out our kids space. We're growing. And it would be a mistake for my family to wrestle with this idea of being all in and think, well, we're not taking the same risks like we used to, so we need to go recreate our past. Therefore, we need to move to a new city and plant a new church. Right? That doesn't make sense at all. Ray and I will never do that. We have a deal with God that we're not planting another church. We're never doing this again. I'm going to die here, probably right here. <laughs> and so the question that goes to that is this. In this season now, what does it look like to lay it all on the line? Let me explain it this way. We've all seen the married couple who, when they're dating or engaged, they first married. Every time they see each other, they have those, like, googly, love-drunk eyes, right? You know the people that I'm talking about. But then a few years in, something in the marriage fades. And so one spouse will say, things aren't what they used to be. I don't feel the way I used to feel. I don't have those butterflies anymore. And because of that, I'm going to try to recreate those scenarios that caused that in the first place. And so what they do is they download the app they shouldn't, they send that friend request that isn't innocent, and they reconnect with somebody. Right? He shows interest in her. He gives her butterflies. She wrecks her home. She gets a divorce. She leaves her kids and gets married to someone else because she thinks that the only way for her to feel the way she used to feel is to recreate it. She doesn't realize that if she just dug in and worked on things, they could have experienced a deeper love that only comes after having persevered through trials. Now, I'm going to push on some of you a little bit who are stagnant in your faith because you're trying to recreate the past. Um, You're trying to hold on to something in the past. Some of you uh, want your college ministry back, but you aren't in college anymore. Some of you are holding on to your high school youth group days, but God created that ministry for you at a specific time, at a specific place, for a specific purpose, and it was great when you were 16, but you aren't 16 anymore. Some of you are holding on to the next steps you took at your old church, but you're at Collective now, and God's asking you to do something here. Some of you want that experience you had on a mission trip once, but guess what? God has called you to do your mission in Maryland. And I'm not saying to settle. What I'm saying is to dig deeper. Don't sit around waiting for the past to repeat itself. Find a new way to spread the gospel. Find a new way to take a risk. Find a new way to hang on to Jesus. Because the truth is, God's turning this world upside down through a place called collect, and if you go all in, your life will never be the same. Right? We know that God is doing a new thing here. He doesn't specialize in recreating the past. What he's done in the past is just a model for the future. He doesn't need to resurrect Jesus again. He wants to resurrect something in our lives. And so right now, what does it look like for you to take a new risk and a new next step? Here's the last thing to write down. All in is something you experience, not observe. All in is something you experience, not observe. When Ray and I were in college, uh, we actually got to go to Europe for 30 days and got college credit for it. It was insane. Um, But one day we were in Switzerland and we were given this opportunity to ride a tram up to the top of Mount Pilatus. Stunning. Stunning. It's 6,983 feet tall and it overlooks Lake Lucerne. It's absolutely breathtaking. Um, and while we were up there, we actually walked through, there's tunnels on the sides of the mountains. You walk through these tunnels and you can walk through these stairs that are carved into the side. Uh, it was actually in the middle of summer but there was snow everywhere. There was even a part of the mountain where if you looked over, there was this small white church in the middle of this like, beautiful green valley. But the excursion was optional. And not every student decided to go. Right? And I know that doesn't make sense. Like, who would turn this down? Then at the start of the fall, I was sitting in the cafeteria, and I heard one of the guys who was on the trip with us talking about Switzerland. He was talking about Mount Pilatus and how amazing it was. But here's the thing. He didn't go up there with us. For some reason, he decided to stay down in the town below and hang out. And I couldn't help but feel bad for him because he saw Mount Pilatus, but he didn't experience it. He was blown away by how it looked, but he didn't get to feel the coolest, freshest air I've ever felt in my life. He didn't get to touch this mountain and feel its presence. He didn't see the lake that looked like glass or even the small, peaceful church surrounded by fields. Sure, he saw it, but he didn't experience it. And so the last question I want to ask you is this. When you walk with Jesus... Do you experience his power or do you just see the power of Jesus? Do you know what it's like to have friendships where you can actually be real and share your brokenness and not be afraid to have your friends shut you out? Do you know what it feels like to be utterly confused but in your daily Bible reading, you read that right verse at just the right time and God shows you what you've been searching for? Do you know what it's like to come out of the water after getting baptized and actually feel the weight of the world that's lifted off your shoulders? Do you know what it's like to be in the green room back over there after you baptize your friend and the music's playing and people are cheering and you're soaking wet because you're just embracing? Because if you are at collective... You will see this stuff all the time, but do you experience it? Do you know what it's like to pray for something every day and then have God answer that prayer? Do you know what it's like to write the biggest check you have ever written in your life to give away and you hesitate before signing your name, but then you do it? Do you know what it's like when you're with somebody and they ask you about your faith and your palms get sweaty and you say that little prayer to God, God, please help me. And then you tell them about what God is doing, not what he's done, what he is doing in your life. Do you know what it's like to pick up the phone with a pit in your stomach and say, I'd like to work on our marriage? Do you know what it's like to feel completely unqualified but say to God, God, if you need somebody to do it, I'm just gonna do it. Because you will see this stuff here every Sunday. If you are here, you will see it but do you experience it? Because that is what Jesus wants for you. That is what Jesus wants for everyone. So don't you want that? It's time to jump all in. Let's pray. God, if we're being honest, um, I think the idea of next steps and discomfort isn't really something that we long for on Sunday mornings. God, ideally, we'd prefer to just show up at church and, and hear the things that make us feel good and then go out into the world and kind of be uh, depleted and then come back on Sunday and be filled back up. Um, and God, we know that is one way to pursue faith. We know that's one way to experience this. Um, but God, that way feels a lot like people who hesitate on the rocks and stumble their way into the water, and God, that's not what we want. God, we, we don't want to be the church that seeks out comfort. We don't want to be the church uh, that finds a really good place where we're at and just sits still for as long as possible. God, we want to be all in. Ultimately, we want to see people experience you. We want to see people um, hear the good news. God, we, we want this city and this county and this state um, to fall in love with you and see their life changed. And God, we know in order for that to happen... Can't be half in and half out. Um, And so, God, I pray this week uh, as people feel uncomfortable (laughs) um, that they really begin to wrestle. And God, we really begin to wrestle with this idea of what's our next step. God, I I pray for myself personally that that you show me what I need to do. God, I pray for everybody else here that you show them what they need to do. Um, God, give us clarity on that, give us peace on that. And ultimately, God, let us feel your presence and feel your grace and feel your love and and, and let that be the energy that that pushes us to take that next step, knowing uh, even if we fail, we're gonna be okay. God, thank you for what you're doing in this church. Uh, God, thank you for the examples that we have in the Bible of what churches look like. Um, God, thank you for the challenges that you give us. We love you and pray this in your name, amen.